Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Well, let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about on this week's episode, so we definitely want to make sure we keep that conversation rolling after the show. So, Pad. Where does everybody head on over to? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Check out the social media links. We are growing in a lot of accounts, so thank you so much for interacting with us and making sure those numbers grow because it's all about that algorithm, all about getting the conversation to as many people as we can and obviously go from there because it means the absolute world to us. Also, check out the T Public Store link. Uh, rumors of a sale is lurking, so you mm. never know when. But you always want to make sure you check it out so you can see the newest designs we have coming up because we have a couple things in the works, too. So you definitely want to make sure you add that to your collection. Also, the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month. It definitely helps support the show. And the blog section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 880,000. Sounds about right to me. The classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and many more. The music section where you can find out everything going on with Floodlands, Tom Jolu, Shout out the robots, Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Mm-hmm. That's the official name. I'm so used to just saying it's Brian Wolf, but he has a lot of great things going on. You heard his former band at the beginning of the show, but we're going to hopefully get some new music from Brian sent up sent to us very soon. Sent up from Austin, Texas, because that's where he's located. But more or less, if it's anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And on the social media accounts, always remember to use that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, we have to recap a big event that went down in the land of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it is the biggest event of the summer. It is the WWE's party of the summer, if you will. Yes. And, Pad, what are we going to be talking about? We were talking about SummerSlam, the annual pay-per-view. They have one of their big four or five, depending on how you look it's at it. It's five now. I think we can safely sure. say that. Uh, but it takes place every year around this time of year. Uh, this year it took place from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan, with an announced crowd of 59,194 uh, according to rumors and some sources and some uh, reporting on the internet allegedly 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 it's 51,477 either way who cares it's just numbers they hit more than 50,000 people into that building which you could tell the crowd showed up Oh, absolutely. According to the press release, the fine folks of the WWE sent the ODPH, quoting, with a 59,194 in attendance in the Motor City, SummerSlam generated a record gate of $8.5 million, Oof. let alone a lot of other ones that, honestly, let's just say this, WWE is winning right now. Yeah, they are. In pretty much everything. Yeah. So definitely appreciate WWE sending that to us, but... We can definitely say, as we saw the show, it definitely reflected there was a packed house. Yeah. And they were excited to have some WWE action. Say so 3FN's own uh, Ron was in attendance. Yes, he was, which was awesome to hell see. Of, hell of a seat he had there. Yes. Wow. So congratulations to Ron for that. I know if you listen to the latest 3FN podcast, they talk a little bit about that. If you're on their Patreon, you get a little bit more. So you definitely want to make sure you sign up for that. 
So after quoting the WWE press release, let us get into the recap of the weekend that was, Pat. Yeah, so the first match that took place on this card, because there was nothing in the pre-show, uh, was a singles matchup between Logan Paul and Ricochet. And you had Logan Paul emerge victorious, beating Ricochet in 18 minutes, uh, even via pinfall. Although there were, of course, a little bit of shenanigans involved. One of Logan Paul's boys. Uh, I know Michael Cole at one point was going to say who it was, but he never got around to it. So I don't know who it is. I'm not intimately familiar with Logan Paul's posse outside of KSI. Uh, but one of his boys handed him a pair of brass knuckles, some brass knucks, uh, after Logan Paul got spilled out onto the, uh, outside the ring there. And he came in and he gave, uh, uh, old ricochet, the old uppercut, the old cross the face with the punch, mm-hmm. not quote unquote, knocked him out and, uh, got the pinfall and win. And you know what? Good match and good opening. Absolutely. This match did what it needed to do. Got the crowd excited. Yeah. Say what you will about Logan Paul. And you can say a lot. But as far as him being a WWE performer, mm-hmm. he is very, very good. Yeah, he is. You can't take that away from him. He definitely knows how to get the crowd riled up. He definitely knows how to work them. He can definitely match up with a lot of the wrestlers with the athleticism. Mm-hmm. And especially with Ricochet, who is known for his high-flying aerial assaults. Yes. He needs somebody to keep up that speed. Logan is somebody that can. Mm-hmm. And granted, they didn't do any kind of cr- super crazy spot like they did at the Royal Rumble. No, didn't but, need it, though. But they told a great story. Yeah. And that is showing, one, the growth of Logan Paul in the business. Mm-hmm. And two, how much WWE trusted Ricochet with this match. Right. Because let's face it, Logan is a social media celebrity. Mm-hmm. He's not really a wrestler per se. Right. You know, as far as the de- definition goes. But he can definitely go in the ring, and to see them work together, they had great chemistry. There was one moment that you saw Logan try doing a DDT off the top rope. Yes. And Ricochet caught him, and they spun it into a reversal. It was effortless. Oh, it was phenomenal. It was one of the coolest spots of the entire weekend. I know it's not getting a lot of praise. No. But if you understand how wrestling goes, that was a perfectly planned spot, and it looked flawless. Right, and you and just for as relatively inexperienced as Logan Paul is sure. He's got all the talent in the world and sure. He looks great in the ring and, you know, he's gone up with some of the best of them in the ring and he's come out looking like a million bucks, you know, but with as little time as he has, the fact that he pulled that off flawlessly, I would not have faulted him if he tried that and it got botched it somewhere along the way. Cause I'm like, Hey, listen, you're still relatively new shit happens. Mm-hmm. I get it, but you could not tell he is relatively new to this. No, he definitely showed a very experienced poise to him. Mm-hmm. And this was a great match to kick off the night. Obviously, Logan left right after the match. In his gear. Right, to go to his brother's boxing match with Nate Diaz. Yep. So he didn't stick around to see the rest of the card, but we did, so we have to get into the rest of the event. Yeah, so the next card up, uh, or the next match up, I should say, uh, was the singles matchup between Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar for the third time. Uh, and this time, Cody Rhodes emerged victorious, beating Brock Lesnar via pinfall in 17 minutes and 35 seconds. And, of course, the story with this after the match is Brock Lesnar gets up, take off, takes off the gloves. I think everyone with a little bit of memory started collectively going, oh, holy shit, because the last time he did this, he busted Randy Orton's head open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he kind of did a little head-to-head. You know, I, I couldn't tell, you know, even watching the clip back on Monday Night Raw when they went to show it, I couldn't tell if he was saying something maybe. Hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, but the, nevertheless, he did kind of do like a head-to-head, kind of like an, an acknowledgement, and he shook his hand, raised Cody's hand in, in you know, uh, victory, 
which gotta say, I don't think I've ever seen Brock Lesnar do that, which was simultaneously intimidating because I'm like, oh, holy shit, what's he going to do? Because, well, as we know, Brock's been known to go off script before. Mm-hmm. And then once you saw that, we're like, oh, hey, he must really like Cody Rhodes. At this stage, and I can't take credit for this, uh, shout out to Walt Ball for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock has now turned into this current time period's Undertaker. Mm. Okay. And this is what it means by this. And, and like I say, shout out to Walt. He literally had this nailed perfectly. At this stage, Brock is the litmus test yeah. to go through if you're going to be the next superstar to go to the next level. Yeah. And I understand the sides of the coin here with Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Cody left WWE way back when. Yep. He worked the indies. He reinvented himself. He started All Elite Wrestling. Yep. He was a main eventer there. Mm-hmm. But the last time the WWE Universe saw him as a WWE performer, he was a mid-carder. It was Stardust. Right. In, in a role in which he he started to try and make something of it, but then just didn't care by, mm-hmm. the, by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So when he has been back now, he's been reinventing himself for the WWE audience. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people forget about this. Well, and I, I don't even necessarily think it's fully you know reinventing himself. It's reintroducing himself. Because, That's a better term, yeah. Okay. Because he, you know, us, the indie viewer, and us who got to see him in in person on an indie show here locally. You know, we've seen this version of Cody from the New Japan shows and the ROH shows and when he was with the Young Bucks and the Bullet Club and then all the stuff leading to All In and AEW and everything. Like, we've seen this. We've been experiencing this since he left WWE in 2015, 2016, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. You know, but for the folks who just strictly watch WWE main roster and nothing else, they might not have a clue what happened and and what went on. So when he shows up, sure, there's going to be a lot of folks who go, oh, that's the dude who was, you know, okay, had a couple of good runs before, you know, dashing Cody Rhodes and all the other stuff when he was Intercontinental Champion, you know, and then there was the Stardust thing, which he tried to make chicken salad out of chicken shit with, but it didn't really work. Right. Why should I care about him? Why why are we giving him the main feature? And it's kind of like, hey, he's got a, he's already proven himself to, I'll be generous half the audience. Mm-hmm. It's that other half of the audience or that other quarter of the audience. Cause let's face it. You're never going to get everybody fully on board ever, you know, but it's that other percentage of the audience that you got to go. Hey, listen, I'm not the same guy you saw last time I've learned. I've grown. I'm different. Yeah. And I think going in there with Brock, who has also grown and changed in his ways. Yeah, he has. He has become now a very, featured member mm-hmm. of the locker room, so to speak, mm-hmm. that he is in that position where The Undertaker was. I mean, let's not forget a couple of years ago when when uh, Moxley had left WWE, mm-hmm. he, he told on a podcast about his experience trying to work with Brock for their match at WrestleMania yeah, and just how much of a pain that was. Mm-hmm. And now with this, you got fun-loving Brock, you got cowboy Brock, you got I'm going to kick your ass Brock, and it's not the Brock. You know, Brock has arguably worked more days and more events in the last two years than he's worked probably the last 10 combined. Well, he's having fun. Oh, he is. I mean, that's a, that's the, the growth in him now, and that's where he, I think, can see where he needs to be that person in the mm-hmm. locker room, mm-hmm. that he needs to... Except that, yeah, he's a superstar that doesn't need a belt. He, he's he, an attraction. He's an attraction. 
But his presence and his vote really matters because if he thinks somebody's ready to go to the next level, he's going to put them over. Well, and I like the thing somebody else pointed out on uh, Reddit, and I can't take credit for this, but somebody pointed out on Reddit that this was Brock's way of getting Cody ready for Roman. Oh, absolutely. Because how many times has Brock faced Roman? It's got to be upwards of 10 times now. Sure. But this is Brock's way of, hey, you really want to beat Roman, let me sharpen the knife for you. Well, that's the whole thing that Cody's story is now is Cody's redemption arc to get back to Roman. Mm-hmm. Almost in a sense of Rocky, yeah. if, you, if you want to go to a movie sure. comparison. With sure. It. It's one of those situations where he was supposed to get the big win. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He has to work his way back to it. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Brock putting him over, giving him the handshake moment, that is the biggest cosign he can give mm-hmm. in his own way, and that gets Cody ready to go on to the next challenge wherever that's going to be between here and Roman Mm -hmm. is still up in the air. But in the meantime, they finished their story. They told a fantastic match and really drove home the point that Cody's ready for the next level. Mm -hmm. Can't speak more highly about it. This was my favorite match of the night. Oh, yeah. This this is one of mine, too. Yeah. Uh, Next up was the 25-man Slim Jim Summer Slam Battle Royal. Uh, And you had in this uh, matchup L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, Apollo Crews, J.D. McDonough, Rick, Bogues, Otis, Ivar, Eric, <coughs> excuse me, Shinsuke Nakamura, Tommaso Ciampa, Cameron Grimes, to the, the moon, moon. Uh, Austin Theory, uh, Santos Escobar, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser, uh, Ridge Holland, Butch, Matt Riddle, Omas, The Miz, Grayson Waller, Karrion Cross, Chad Gable, Bronson Reed, AJ Styles and Sheamus in uh, your last four during this battle royal because this was, this was a pretty good battle royal I gotta mm-hmm. say for not having high expectations of this good battle royal uh, your final four was Bronson Reed AJ Styles and Sheamus uh, and then obviously with LA Knight and then LA Knight emerged victorious by a last eliminating Sheamus to win the Slim Jim SummerSlam battle royal yeah this whole match was centered around getting LA LA Knight to the next level mm-hmm this was a stepping stone. We all knew this, but they still told some great stories in yeah. this. I love the team up of Grayson Waller and The Miz. God almighty, I want them to team up and do a series with somebody, and just the promos would be incredible. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. I, I'm all in about that. Almost came out, and I thought they put him over very well. He did very good, yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, it's all about L.A. Knight. Yep. And getting him into one of two positions. Mm-hmm. I know that we have long talked about him versus Austin Theory yep. for the U.S. title, and I think if he stays on SmackDown, that is a possibility. Oh, I, I fully see that happening. But something came to my attention last night that I said, well, maybe he's going to get another title. Okay. Let, hear me out on this, because I know we're going to talk about this superstar a little in, very shortly. Sure. Gunther yep. is... Only a few weeks away from breaking the Honky Tonk Man's all-time record for the Intercontinental title. Right. As it stands right now, he's in a feud with Chad Gable. Yes. Well, he's got a matchup coming. We don't know when. Right. But they just wrestled. Right. There was the fatal four-way. Chad Gable won. He's now the number one contender for the IC belt. Right. If WWE wanted to really pull something quick. Mm Mm-hmm. And they decided to move L.A. Knight to Raw. Mm-hmm. How big of a moment would it be if L.A. Knight's the one to beat Gunther? 
That'd be a hell of a uh, moment for him. Yeah. Nothing, I'm, I'm all right with that. Nothing against Austin Theory. No. Because no. I think he, as an LA Knight, is the next in line for a mid-card title. Yeah. So whichever champion drops it first. Yeah, yeah. But how big would a moment be if LA Knight is the one to defeat Gunther. That's a that's a huge moment for LA uh, for LA Knight because I he's not beating Roman. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't see him beating Seth just because they want to establish that belt and give it some credibility, so that's why I don't think Seth is going to lose it here anytime soon. Right. You know, sure he could beat Austin Theory, but that's not really going to mean much. Hey, he won the United States Championship. Theory's run hasn't exactly been that memorable mm-hmm. to be honest. And now admittedly, I don't get to watch every minute from bell to bell of SmackDown every week, but I couldn't tell you what he's been doing lately since WrestleMania, you know? So he, could he beat Austin theory for the U S title? Yes. It doesn't mean that much. Not really. But we, like you said, we saw him appear on Monday night raw. And I know some people are like, well, why is this SmackDown superstar appearing on raw? Only Raw's superstars are supposed to be on raw. Listen, the dude just won a, a slim Jim SummerSlam battle Royal and was getting a photo op done. That's all the explanation you need. They ran a promo for Slim Jim after this using the classic Macho Man Randy Savage footage. And they had Bianca Belair and, and uh, L.A. Knight in the commercial, which, holy shit, didn't realize that hearing Macho Man go, step into a Slim Jim, and then you just hear L.A. Knight go, yeah, afterwards. That's a hell of a combo. Mm-hmm. My God. Oh, it works. It, it works, but have, that's why he was on Raw. So that makes all the sense for the world. But no, if you want to give him a major moment and a major like boost... Not that he needs it. Christ, he's he's a reporter. Oh, sure, yeah. He, reportedly, he's number one in sales for merchandise in the company mm-hmm. over Roman and Cody and everybody else. But that's a, hu- that's a huge moment for him. I'd be all right with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing about it, too. It's a big moment, and this match was supposed to get him to that next level. And they did do a setup with him and The Miz yeah, they on did. Monday night. Yeah, which, they did. Listen, that's a new talk forever. Yeah, it is. So I'm... I am perfectly fine with that. And if it leads to a quick program in in the meantime, while Gunther defeats uh, Gable for the breaking the record, mm-hmm. sure. But I think before Survivor Series, LA Knight's going to have a mid-card title. I think so. And I think, like I say, the smart, the if we want to do locks and leaps, the lock is him against Austin Theory. Yeah. Because Theory hasn't do, been doing anything, but he's been doing a great character. Yeah, he has. As just being a heel. I'll, get, I'll give him credit. The character is good. Mm-hmm. It's just in terms of like the memorable stuff he's been doing. And, par- and part of it could just be he, the fact that he's on SmackDown and it's pretty much all bloodline stuff and everything else kind of falls by the wayside, at least from the way I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's not on him. It's just I don't know what much of what he's been doing. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see, but I'm just going to put that on the ether right now. LA yeah. Knight could be your next Intercontinental Champion. Could be. Heard it here first. Uh, next up was an MMA rules match uh, between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, and you had Shayna Baszler defeat Ronda Rousey by technical submission in 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Arguably the worst match of the night. Uh, not ar- not an arguably for me. It was the worst match of the night. Well, the one thing that fans need to realize, and this is something that we've discussed here on the ODPH and 607TWS, Anytime you try doing an MMA style match in the world of pro wrestling, it just doesn't come off well. It just, I'm sorry, just it doesn't. 
even when you have Shayna Baszler and Ronda trying to do that, and, you, and I will say we did not hear that this was MMA style until what day of the show? Yes. So yeah, we we I think we talked last week that like we wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if they did something like that. But yeah, no, it it wasn't until the day of, and probably maybe not until pre-show that they're like, oh yeah, by the way, this is going to be an MMA rules match. Yeah. So that being said, their chemistry was off. Mm-hmm. I know Shayna was took a shot about mid-match. Yeah, she got a shiner. Yeah, they're really connected. So she really got busted open in in the fight there. But we knew this was going to be Shayna's to win. Mm -hmm. Ronda is gone, arguably for good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But I think looking back at her run, it did what it needed to do. Mm -hmm. It elevated the spotlight onto the WWE women's division. Yeah. Her run as a character, debatable. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Hall of Fame. No. By any stretch, but. No. I mean, if it happens, I'm not going to sit there and kind of argue and go, well, she should be. I'll be like, yeah, okay, sure. But, like, I'm not sitting there going in five years or whatever it is, the, the criteria for getting in the Hall of Fame going, she needs to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, like if it happens, yeah, okay, sure. I could see it happening just for the impact she made. Yeah. Because, I mean, she, yeah. she has. That's, that's what it'll be more for than in-ring stuff, for sure. Right, but this match is a very forgettable swan song. Oh, it is. This this is the one match that like if you're if you haven't seen the show yet, you know, you can certainly get up and, you know, get some food or go to the bathroom and you won't miss anything. Mm-hmm. My biggest issues with this was one, nothing against the referee, but if you're going to make because the referee came out he goes, "Oh, this isn't a WWE sanctioned event. You know, W wrestling rules don't apply. There's no rope breaks, there's no countouts, there's no yada yada." Okay, nothing against him. I w- and I realized there was a UFC event the same night, but there's enough MMA uh, referees in the world. Pay one for a night to show up just for this to kind of give it some legitimacy. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a Herb Dean or or, a, or any of the other you know well known you know you know the face MMA refs, but just somebody who like and you can even throw it up on the screen. Oh, you know this. Oh, this ref has been with Bellator, you know, Strike Force and UFC like oh okay, this is an actual MMA ref. Mm-hmm. You know, but so you you get the match and like we said when we cover UFC, Octagon Rust is a thing. You can tell Yes, you know, Shayna Baszler is obviously the submission magician mm-hmm. and Ronda Rousey's known for the armbar and all of her technical prowess. But you can tell these these two haven't done an actual MMA match in quite some time. Uh Ronda's last official mixed martial arts uh match was against Amanda Nunes on December 30th, 2016, and Shayna's was against Reina Muirira for a Deep Jewels 15 event on February 25th, 2017. It showed and just from the go, this thing never had its footing for me. That mm. you, it's an MMA match, you know, so it's MMA rules. But then you play in a spot where they both fall out of the ring, onto the ground outside of the uh, outside of the wrestling ring, and you got the and they just like get up and they walk back in. Yeah, I'm like, what? What is this? So personally, for me, worst match of the night. Don't ever do this match again. They, I, I don't like, think they're going to. There was nothing in this that I said. You know what? It wasn't great, but there's some potential there. Maybe if you tweak a few things and you change a few things and maybe, you know, just maybe just something with the, the opponents didn't match, you know, you might have something in the future. No, there's just nothing about this that I went, I want to see this again. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to skip past this. I think the only thing that it needed to do and it did 
was get Baszler, yeah. you know, reestablished as the badass yeah. that she is. Yeah, because Ronda kept trying to submit Shayna during the match, and Shayna having trained with Ronda, because they brought that up, you know, a bunch. Oh, yeah. You know, with how much Shayna had trained with Ronda, Shayna knew how to counter Ronda's submissions. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just going to elevate her stock and for an eventual run at Rhea Ripley, mm-hmm. which I'm all for. Uh, next up was the sing- a singles matchup for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. And as we alluded to, uh, Gunther defeated Drew McIntyre via pinfall in 13 minutes and 40 seconds. Great match. Yes. Did what it needed to do. I mean, Gunther and Drew, we knew it was going to be a great f- match to begin with. Mm-hmm. Both of them have wrestled each other now enough mm-hmm. times that they know how to get some good chemistry going. And it did what it did. I mean, I'm not saying this is a forgettable match, but there really wasn't anything new added to their story. It was it was standard. Yeah, you know, it was hard hitting. You know, you you potentially lost a few teeth watching it. You know, oh sure, throughout it, but n- nothing really to write home about. So it was fine. Yeah. Uh, next up was a singles matchup for the World Heavyweight Championship, where you had Seth freaking Rollins defeat Finn Balor via pinfall in 18 minutes and 30 seconds. Great storytelling here. Yes. The whole thing with the Judgment Day, I think, is really, really starting to win a lot of the pop culture audience over. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it's Bloodline 2.0, but if you want to talk about compelling storylines that fans are talking about, yeah, the Judgment Day has come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and really started winning people over. That Obviously, a lot has to do with the skyrocketing superstardom of Rhea Ripley. Yeah. But now the whole feud with Damian Priest winning Money in the Bank, Finn Balor trying to get the world title, mm-hmm. Finn's paranoia getting the best of him. Oh, yeah. Costing him the match because Damian was trying to help him. He doesn't believe him. Well, he that was the interesting thing. So Damian showed up, and everyone's like, oh, is he going to cash in? Oh, is he going to cash in? Oh, is he going to cash in? And he threw or slid, whatever it was, the Money in the Bank briefcase into the oct- into, oh, octagon, into the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and was like, here, telling Finn, here, use this. But Finn was misinterpreting it as like, I'm here, I'm going to cash in. Yeah. And, and you very audibly heard Finn go, no, that's plan B, stick to plan A. Yeah. And they're going back and forth arguing. Rhea and Dominic show up to cause some interference. And then Finn finally puts two and two together and, and, and goes to use the briefcase as a weapon against Seth. But Seth comes in and, and stomps him into the uh, briefcase and knocks Finn out for the win. And I think for me, especially being a Finn Balor guy, Damian Priest's face after the match was kind of how I felt. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I, I understood what happened, and I'm all right with the outcome, but I'm just like, motherfucker. Yeah, I know. It's perfect. I mean, they did a really good job about setting that up and even carrying it into Monday Night yeah. Raw. So. I'm not upset about it. No. I mean, I thought it was great because Seth, keeping the title, I think, helps it. Yes. And for anybody who says they're not using Finn Balor right, he's in a featured storyline on TV. Mm-hmm. So as much as it would be cool to see him win, he doesn't need the belt. He's no. over enough. No. Just saying. Next up was a triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship where you had Asuka defending her belt against Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. Uh, and you had Bianca Belair emerge via... Uh, pinfall in 20 minutes and 45 seconds to become your and new WWE Women's Championship or champion, I should say. Well, I will say this mm-hmm. match, arguably the worst, ending, arguably the best. So for me, this was the second worst match of the night, you know, because 
it seemed like the match just again never got its footing. You know, I I know you guys on you and Rich on six hundred seven TWS this week said that like the pacing was off and the timing was off. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I don't know what it is, but just the three of them never got their stuff together. You know, in in terms of just like hitting the moves and what they needed to do next. You know, it felt like a train wreck, but I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, it, it felt like it was kind of meant to be that way, which I was like, okay, there's a lot going on. There's the three competitors, mm-hmm. you know. The ending was great. Oh, yeah, the ending it, was great. The ending was great, but everything in the buildup to that and until, you know, the last four or five minutes, you know, the last four or five minutes were phenomenal. But, like, getting there was kind of rough. I'm going to ask a question, and this might be a bold statement, mm-hmm. but please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Since Charlotte Flair has been back mm-hmm. from her uh, recent hiatus, mm-hmm. how many times has she wrestled? I could look. Okay. Offhand, I don't know. Because my argument is going to be where I guess this is going to be a bold statement. I think since she's returned, she hasn't been as crisp with her moves and working with some talent on the roster as she was prior to leaving. And I think this is more evident here in this match, in my opinion. I'm not saying Charlotte's a bad wrestler by any means. Right. But I'm thinking that she had been gone for so long that she's still not back into the swing of things. Right. So she was on WrestleMania 39 night one where Rhea defeated her. Her next appearance wouldn't be until June 23rd, 2023, on a Friday night SmackDown where she defeated Lacey Evans. She's And I'm not counting live events. Right. But we're just counting televised stuff. So she did the one episode of SmackDown. Uh, let's see. That's a super show. House show. House show. The uh, second matchup was on Friday night SmackDown, July 21st, where she defeated EO Sky. House show. House show. Friday night SmackDown on June 28th, where she tagged with Bianca. House show, house show. So, and since she's come back in June, she's wrestled four times. Okay. Not not counting house shows, you know, which are a whole other thing. All right. So, even when we say house shows, so we'll say, what, yeah. 16 times? It's something like that, yeah. I don't know. It's just maybe it's something I'm noticing. And, and like I say, I, I want to stress this. I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler by any means. I think Charlotte is a good wrestler when it comes to singles competition. Yeah. And even tag team competition. You know, I know she's done some tag team stuff, which has been fine. I think it's once you get into triple threat, fatal four-way stuff where, you know, it's kind of her relying on other folks and, and there's more parties involved. That's where it starts to fall apart for her because I, I'm noticing more and more. And this is not a slight against Charlotte. Oh, sure, sure. She's great as a singles wrestler. She's great as a tag team wrestler. But when it comes to triple threats and fatal four ways, it's just something always seems off when she's involved. I think it, it almost comes off as like she's overpressing. Yes. And I think that that showed up here. Like I say, there was just something off. And I don't mean to be so critical about her. But it just kind of seemed like after the the very off moonsault mm-hmm. from the top rope, it just never seemed like they were back on the same pace. Right. And I, I don't know why, and, and you might be onto something with the triple threat, but I, want, I, I can't stress enough. I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler. Neither she's am one, I. She's one of the best in the world. But in this circumstance, it just didn't click for whatever reason. 
And it showed just because everybody would just it, it was like a domino effect. Yeah, no, I've got nothing against her either. She's not my cup of tea. You know, she's not my favorite women's wrestler of all time, but I respect the hell out of her. Oh, yeah. It's just something. There's just something about it. I don't know. But then we get to the finish. Yeah, then we get to the finish. So Bianca Belair emerged victorious. Uh, leg was, quote unquote, injured. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know uh, Corey Graves brought up, oh, hopefully we don't have a Finn Balor type situation, you know, where she has to relinquish, you know, not long after she wins the thing. Well, we didn't have to worry about that because EO Sky's music hit mm-hmm. and she comes bolting out of the back like, you know, like uh, she's running away from a fire. Yeah. Holy hell. Comes there, gives Bailey the briefcase. Bailey attacks uh, Charlotte and Asuka, taking them out, goes into the ring, tries to attack. Uh, what is it? Bianca. Bianca mm. gets the one up on her. Uh, EO gets a hold of the briefcase, attacks Bianca, drops her. Hands the briefcase to the ref, so and, and you can hear EO screaming, "Cash it in, cash it in, cash it in!" And the ref, I, I love it when the ref visibly understands and doesn't do the what, mm-hmm. huh? Why do you talk like we've? I know Mike Kyoto did it at least. I think with uh, who was it? Uh, Corey Graves' wife. I'm blanking on the Carmella. Name. Carmella. I know Corey. I know Mike Kyoto did it with Carmella a couple of years ago, where he, where it's like she was speaking a foreign language, and he, he was like, "What? Mm. What are you talking?" I, I just hate when that happens. But no, the ref under, understood the assignment, gave the briefcase, rang the bell, and in eight seconds, Io Sky pinned Bianca Belair to become your and new WWE Women's Champion. Love this moment. This was great. This is perfect. This is how money in the bank cash-in should be. Yes, and uh, as was mentioned by Corey Graves on the broadcast, uh, women's money in the bank cash-ins, still 100%. Yeah. So it definitely set up a great story. I was surprised to see Bailey helping her. As, so was I. As much, but yeah. you know what? It was a cool moment to see Dakota Kai came out through the crowd. Uh, obviously, yeah. she's been recu- uh, recouping from her injuries. Yep, yep. So it was a cool moment to see, and, and, and we also forgot about this fact, too. Yeah. It's been one year since Damage Control debuted. Yeah, talk about a hell of a year where you had Bailey return last year at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. uh, roughly one year. I think it was a little, couple of weeks ago. Right. Regardless. Uh, but you had Bailey return uh, from her injury at SummerSlam last year after, ironically, the Bianca Belair match. Yeah. And came out and was like, oh, hey, I didn't come alone and brought Eosky, uh, who at the time, you know, was on NXT, but rumors and reports were saying that she was going to go back home to Japan. Mm-hmm. And then brought, also brought out Dakota Kai, who had been let go during a batch of releases. Yeah. You know, so she, one of the first big shocks during the Triple H booking era. You know, excited the hell out of me to see them back because EO Sky is one of the best women's wrestlers on that roster. Mm. Don't believe me. Go watch the women's war game from a couple years ago. War games. Yeah. Uh, her on the top of the cage with the garbage can covering her body as protective shielding. Yeah. That's all I need to say. And Dakota Kai's great. I mean, yeah, she's got the injury thing, which sucks, but she's still great. When she's in the ring, she's great. Absolutely. But no, you, you think about the run they've had in the in one year where they've gone from, hey, we're just this faction debuting to, yeah, we got a world title. Mm-hmm. It, it was perfect booking for that. Crowd exploded. It was the big memory me- moment yeah. that everybody's going to take away from yeah. this one. 
And then in your main event, you had Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman in his corner taking on uh, Jay Uso in tribal combat, basically an anything goes match, uh, for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and recognition of tribal chief of the Anawaii family. Uh, and you had Roman Reigns emerge victorious, pinning uh, Jay Uso in 36 minutes and five seconds to retain his undisputed championship and remain the tribal chief. Although, of course, as is usual with the a Roman Reigns match, there were some shenanigans in the match. Shenanigans, but the match itself did what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sold on the Bloodline storyline... I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I really don't at this stage. Yeah. And I know there was a lot of fans very angry that Jey Uso did not win. For like the third time this year. Mm-hmm. But let's Just put, this year. But let's put this into context. And I know we touched upon this a little bit with 607TWS. When you have a match mm-hmm. give you that much of an emotional reaction. Yep. It's doing its job with the storyline. Oh, yeah. I, I remember for me, after Cody lost at WrestleMania, I went on social media and did like I usually do after the Patriots had lost the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, against the Giants twice and against the Eagles. You know, I went to I went and started unfollowing pages because I just didn't want to see it because mm-hmm. I knew they were going to boast about it. And all of a sudden and I was snoozing WWE on Facebook for 30 days and I was snoozing the Fox page on for WWE for 30 days that they'd got me. And I was in that same place. And I'm like, motherfucker, I was pissed off. I was I got up the next day and. Liz wasn't able to make this the second night of WrestleMania. She goes, oh, what happened? I'm like, listen, I might not even watch Raw tonight. I'm, I'm that fucking pissed off. Yeah. They got me. But with this, I'm like, ooh, this is a good twist. Because when it comes to siblings, anyone who has a sibling and anyone who's ever been jealous of a sibling on a certain level can understand this. Mm-hmm. Because the ending came with one Jimmy Uso uh-huh. pulling his brother out of the ring, breaking up the pin. And leaving him for Roman. And if I remember right, never really mentioned up until this point how he felt about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Never made an appearance. Never stood by his brother's side, despite the fact they're both. Well, he was injured. Well, he was he was injured. You know, never by his brother's side, despite being both out of the bloodline. You know, but showing up and uh, making his feelings felt. Now, some people are like, well, how can he go back to Roman after? He might not. Yeah, he might just be like, hey, listen, Roman's doing what he's doing. This is between this is between brothers. Roman's got nothing to do with this. One thing I've been saying for a while, and I think now it's it's coming closer to fruition, is when we get to Survivor Series, mm-hmm. we're either going to have one or two matches. Yeah. We are going to have a bloodline civil war. So like, there's no question about that. But is it going to be a triple threat or fatal four-way? Fatal four-way. See, that's the question I got now, because you might have that, and I think that that completely does the break with uh-huh. Solo, Sokoa, and Roman. Well, because, hi, what did I say was going to happen last week? That ended up happening. Now, admittedly, I had to watch this match twice because I was at the Yankee game that day. I had gotten up at 5 a.m., and by the time this match got over, I was up, had been up for 19 hours at that point. So, admittedly, when this was on live, I was nodding in and out of this match, but I had to watch it back because I missed it the first time. But what happened that I said would happen? There would be a moment where Solo would go to help Roman, and, Ro- and, and would get in the way, and Roman would hit him. Mm-hmm. And it happened. And you saw the pissed-off look on Solo's face like, 
what are you doing? Yeah. I'm trying to help you. He's done this at least twice, maybe three times now. I know it happened the last pay-per-view. I know it happened. This one might have been three times. You know, once is an accident, two is on purpose, three times, well, you just hate me. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or whatever the saying is. But no, th- this is going to come back to, you know, blow up in Roman's face. You know, we'll see what happens. Rumors and reports are Roman was injured in some sort of capacity. Heard something about that. During this match, we have not heard anything of what is what it is or what it could be or if it's true or not. We'll wait and see. He is scheduled to be on SmackDown this coming Friday, so maybe they'll say something there. But irregardless, this matchup match was awesome. And as for what happens with Jimmy and Jay, I'm here for it. You know, I've got a brother. I have certainly had my disagreements with my brother, and I've even been jealous of my brother at certain times. Mm-hmm. You know, so on on the level, I understand this. I get this. Have I ever wanted to, like, kick my brother's ass in front of, like, 17,000 people, 20,000 people? Well, no. Yeah. But, like, we've certainly come to blows over the years. Anyone with a, with a sibling, if you're sitting there going, well, we've never fought. We've never. You're lying. Mm-hmm. Stop lying to yourself. You understand on some level what this is about. Exactly. No, they did a great time setting things up in motion, yeah. and and Jimmy Uso's true intentions. Yeah. We'll find out this week, but it's all building towards enhancing the storyline. Uh huh. And I think for everybody that's freaking out that Jay didn't win, okay, he's still a main eventer. He's still a main eventer. He's still going to be in that conversation for WrestleMania, right? And he might not get the world title. Now, but it does set up a singles matchup between him and his brother, which in their entire run of WWE, mm-hmm. which has been going for over 10 years now. Yeah. Would you have ever have expected to see those two go up against each other? No, they've literally been a tag team forever. Right. May, obviously, they've done some singles work when one's out for one reason or another. Mm hmm. But that never like, hey, they're going to go up against each other. So this is one of those never thought I would have seen it uh, moments. Right. And they've been trying to get this going behind the scenes for a while. Yeah. So you know what? I'm happy for him. I'm happy it elevated everybody up again. And the storyline is far from over because as in the post-media scrum, Paul Heyman said, we're in the bottom of the third. Bottom of the third. So who knows where we're going with this? Well, and, and if I remember right, Roman said we're in the we're in the third inning back at WrestleMania, so it's been like six months where you've only moved a half inning. Uh, other team who's batting, you suck. Yeah. Well, I think it's just ultimately leading to the WrestleMania moment with him and Cody. Yeah, no, it will. And I think that that will be the time that we have the belt change this year. I think Cody alluded to that a little bit with his promo on Monday Night Raw before he got interrupted in the opening segment. Oh, sure. You know, because if you go if you go back and you listen to that and you kind of like peel back the layers on the onion a little bit, I think Cody was alluding to that. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing to set up for, and it's a great problem for WWE to have because overall they had another great PLE. Yeah. They have a lot of storylines coming from this. They do. They started building up a little bit on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, of course, as we mentioned, you've got Chad Gable who's going to be facing Gunther at some point. Don't know if it's a, a, pre, a premium live event or a future episode of Raw. Looks like Shinsuke Nakamura is going to be the next person to take on uh, Seth Rollins. Love this. Oh. About time. Shinsuke has been just kind of... little telegraphed. Somewhere, but yeah. But it was exciting to see. And it was, you know, when he offered, because it was supposed to be Seth... Uh, Cody and uh, Sammy in the main event tagging against Judgment Day. And then J.D. McDonough, for reasons, uh, took out Sammy. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura offered up. He's like, hey, I'll help you out. 
And then I know Rich, Richard, you pointed it out that like that was an awfully awkward like look he mm-hmm. threw at Seth after that whole segment. And I'm like, yeah, that was a little. And then you go and watch. So it's like, okay, I was watching for something. I was anticipating something. And then you get to the end of the match where, you know, all oh, Sammy comes in for the save and it's Sammy, uh, Seth, Cody, and Shinsuke in the, in the ring. And, the, and, Sammy, Cody, and Seth are doing the typical, yeah, we're the faces. We just want, we're standing up at the three corners of the of the wrestling ring. And Shinsuke's just standing there. And Shinsuke's just watching. And you and you just I'm like, oh, he's gonna do it. Cause you would have figured, oh, if he's celebrating, he's he's staying face, he would have celebrated with him. No. He was by he was what picking his moment. Mm-hmm. And hit uh Seth with a kin Jasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I say, I get excited talking about it, so I just got to remember I got to yeah. slow it down for that. But that move really kicked off a new feud, which Seth needs. Yeah, Cody is up in the air where he's going next. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I know they kind of teased maybe something with Seth, but they squashed the beef by the end of the night. Well, I think they want to keep that rumor going. Yeah. So when he wins the Royal Rumble, yeah. people are not going to remember that he's ultimately going to challenge Roman. Mm-hmm. So to keep that teased, I think is brilliant. I would not doubt, though, that he does something in the meantime, maybe not with Gunther, because I don't think he's going to win another belt in in between. Mm -hmm. But I could see him going with somebody on the mid-card, maybe even with the Damian Priest, just a one-on-one thing. Yeah, I could see it. I could see just something something in the Mm -hmm. meantime. Dominic, because Dominic's been a thorn in his side the last couple weeks. Yeah, I could see him having something with the Judgment Day just to buy some time. Yeah. And it would make a lot of sense to do because coming off the heels of SummerSlam, there's a lot of storylines that, that we're going to have to wait to see play out. Friday Night SmackDown just became must-watch to find out what's going on with the bloodline. Yeah. And then we go from here. So I guess about another about a little less than a month until uh, payback, which is September 2nd in Pittsburgh. Yes. So and that weekend is going to be a little crazy if you're a wrestling fan too. Mm-hmm. So WWE is definitely going to want to stack that show up. And who knows what's going to happen after that. In the meantime, though, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about WWE SummerSlam and the Monday Night Raw after? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk about it. And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out 607TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast player. The new episode is up right now, so we definitely want to talk some pro wrestling with you. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And since we last recorded... The NFL preseason is in full effect. Yeah, it is. The first game has been played between the Jets and Cleveland. To those of you already doing fantasy football drafts, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. I've, I've heard stories and people have told me that they've already done fantasy football drafts. And I'm like, why did you not see the first day of training camp where like four or five guys went down with injuries? Mm-hmm. Some of them for potentially all of this year. Yeah. Why? Some people are just craving football. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I and I can understand it. Like listen, as a fan, I can't wait for the season to kick off. And rest assured, folks, with how crazy the schedules have been, we will still be doing our two-part NFL preview episode very very soon 
closer to the season with Rich from three offense swinging by. So we're not going to be diving into that just yet, but I think it just reflects on this is a very quiet period in sports right now. Sure. Let's face it. Major League Baseball is on the second half. Trade deadline has came and gone. It's now the push to the playoffs. Hockey and basketball are definitely in their offseason. Mm-hmm. The only thing going on is the summer league games for the NBA yeah. out in Vegas, or they were. Yeah. So there really is not a lot happening in the sports world per se. Yeah. So anytime we get football going again, and there's just something about football in August that gets the blood going a little bit because mm-hmm. you know it's coming. And it's like it's uh, it's almost like when it gets to December 1st. Yeah. And you know Christmas yeah. is coming. Yeah. It's kind of in that same vein. And yes, we said December 1st, not November 1st, like some of you goddamn heathens. <laughs> pads on pads ready. Pads ready for this. I'm sorry. Like I I enjoy the Thanksgiving season and for me personally, I like to have that little month for Thanksgiving. Christmas you can have your time when it hits December. Yes. Or for me it's the day after Thanksgiving. I, I'm with you on that. I am I, I fully agree with you. Thanksgiving is an overlooked holiday. Yes. Much like the preseason for the most part, but it's still noteworthy to break down because there are some storylines that are happening right now that we definitely want to mention, almost like in a one-shot format. Sure. So let's talk about it, Pat. Uh, So the first one we're going to mention is uh, kind of like a two-part story, Uh, first of which is you've got with the New Orleans Saints, Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended the first three games of the NFL season uh, for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Uh, And according to reports, free agent running back Kareem Hunt is going to sign with the New Orleans Saints pending a physical. Good move by the Saints. Uh, obviously, if you got to replace Kamora, Kareem Hunt is a good it's not replacement. Bad. It's not bad. Considering the market right now, I think that's very solid. Yeah. Obviously, he had been in Cleveland the past couple of years, but Nick Chubb is still the main running back in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So if he wants to make a chance trying to start again, I think New Orleans is a safe spot for him to land and yeah. see because the expectations, let's face it, are low. Well, and especially just with the way injuries go. You know, New Orleans, very high-powered high offensive team. You know, we'll see what happens with, with this year with new coach and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not bad to be on a team, you know, even if you might not get as many cracks as you did, you know, at the at the pigskin, you know, the first couple of games. You know, you something might happen. You might break out and you start, uh, might start getting more touches. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, next up we got to mention is another running back who's still a free agent. Uh, Dalvin Cook is still a free agent. Obviously, he's been with the Minnesota Vikings uh, the last couple of years. Set like a thousand yards rushing like every the last four years consecutively, but for whatever reason, Minnesota decided to get rid of him. He's a free agent. Uh, Not really sure where he's going to end up quite yet, but where do you think he's going to end up? You know, this is a really good question. And to be honest, I think he winds up in the AFC East somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think that that's probably the safest landing spot. Had the Giants not locked up Saquon Barkley, that's where I thought he was going. Yeah, I could have seen it. But I truly think that there's three teams legitimately that want him on the roster. Okay. I think the Jets are first and foremost. Yeah. With Brees Hall still not back yet. He's still on the pup list. Yeah. Timetable to be determined. Right. Uh, I know the head coach, Robert Salal, is saying that, according to ESPN.com, that he's expected to begin practicing in a couple of weeks. Okay. So. And the thing we got to remember, too, is there's only three weeks of – preseason mm-hmm. not the not the four everyone's so accustomed to for years and years and years so the runway on this for uh takeoff is a little short right so i think that if they can get dalvin cook in there 
who is an established starting back, mm-hmm. I think that helps out tremendously. Yeah. And I think that'll take some pressure off Aaron Rodgers, who, let's face it, hasn't had a solid running game in Green Bay since, what, I'm on Green? Yeah, I would say since the George George W. H. W. Bush administration. Quite possibly. It's It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. But that's just goes to show you. I mean, like I say. And, and apologies if that's the wrong presidential administration. I'm not looking it up. Yeah, you know, that's the one situation with Green Bay is, like, they haven't been known for their running backs. No. And, and like I say, I'm on Green was one that is played with Aaron Rodgers. That's the one that stuck out most to me. Ryan Grant is another one too. Yeah. But it's but like I say, it's not impactful enough that it really sticks out. Right. So for him to have Dalvin Cook there, I think would help, especially if they want to try establishing that the Jets are the real deal mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. We know their defense is is very very good. They're very young. Yeah. But they're in the right direction. Like they'll help them win games this season. Yeah. But after that, I mean, honestly, they have to get some spark on that offense. And Aaron Rodgers at this stage in the game mm-hmm. is not exactly the Aaron Rodgers of old. It's a real short window. Mm-hmm. Especially when it looks like him and the New York media, I mean, that's going to be a very combustible situation too. It's going to be a good thing to live in uh, in uh, New York and be able to pick up the New York Post. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun after game days. But, yeah, well. But until then, like I say – the running back position is going to be something that I think the Jets need to address. I think they really need to make yeah. a play for Dalvin Cook yeah. and really need to lock it up soon because the only other spot that I think he has a real legitimate spot to land is Miami. Okay. And I know that they're retooling their offense a little bit, and if they can get him there, it also goes if Tua is back to be at 100%. Right, and well, I, I agree with you on the Miami thing just because, listen, Tua is – a good quarterback, you know, but he can only throw the ball so many times, you know, he can't throw it 900 times a game. And yeah, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are good, but like you need something else to balance that off of, or else the, the other opposing defenses are just never going to rush, the, uh, you know, expect a run. And they're just going to sit in pass protection the entire time. Mm-hmm. But it, and listen, that's nothing against Raheem Mostert, who is their listed number one uh, running back right now. He's not Delvin Cook. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fine. He's serviceable, but he's not Delvin Cook. I agree with you on the Miami thing. Part of me holds out hope, New England, because, you know, we've only got Ramondre Stevenson as a running back. And Ramondre's good, but, you know, can always use that one-two punch when it comes to running backs. The other one I can legitimately see in taking my, you know, that's like my fan pick. I'd love to see Dalvin Cook on, oh, sure. on New England. The one I could also see is Indianapolis right now. Because you've got the Indianapolis Colts who've got Jonathan Taylor and his disputes with the uh, ownership in the front office. Will he play? Won't he play? You know, yet to be determined. You've got, uh, you know, their other quarter, you know, listed. Zach Moss is one of their other uh, running backs. He's listed as questionable. You know, you've got uh, Deion Jackson's their third string listed. You got Kenyon Drake, who's their fourth string listed. I think there's another guy they got who's injured and won't even be able to play this year. Mm-hmm. So right now they don't have a legitimate uh, thr- uh, rush at rushing uh, running back here. So I, I could see it happening there. Indianapolis is a wild card because of the Jonathan Taylor situation. Yep. So that could be a landing spot. I mean, that is kind of developing as we've been in between episodes. So we'll have to wait to see. I was actually going to say I think Buffalo – could be another yeah. long shot. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he, Cook winds up there, but it's a long shot. But I will say this. The Bills have his brother on roster, James Cook. Yep. And after that, it's Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. If the Bills are serious about getting a running game going, they're putting a lot of faith in James Cook, who 
struggled over the you know his, his first year there. Buffalo running backs have struggled like the last three years because they've never put in emphasis on the offensive line until now, except for like two, three games a season when they crack 100 yards. Well, that's the whole thing because, like I say, they have never addressed the offensive line right to where it needs to be. But obviously, going and getting their big prize free agent from Dallas. Yeah. Um, which I, I know Dre Driven is yelling right now <laughs> at, at the uh, uh, wherever he's listening to us on. Uh, but when we got uh, McGovern in, yeah, that was a huge help. Connor McGovern and and their draft pick too. Yeah, which I, I keep saying is just a matter of time till Osiris Torrance is in the starting lineup. Right. They do have the key elements to get that line built. I just don't know if they're serious about doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Like you're, you're you addressed it. But you need to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the question is, can this line really commit and lock in? Right. The other thing, too, is you picked up Damian Harris from the New England Patriots uh, in the offseason, which he's a decent running back. You know, is he a star running back? Is he the feature running back? Not really. I mean, he's got 2,094 yards rushing in his career with 20 touchdowns over the course of his four years playing. Uh, 15 of them coming in 2021, which, of course, was Mac Jones' rookie year. So you expect that with a rookie quarterback, that the running back is going to get a bunch of touchdowns. And then for receiving, he's got 281 yards receiving with no touchdowns. Mm. Like I say, I, if they want to do the upgrade there, Cook, yeah. would, Cook would be great for it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get him though. I think if I think if they were going to get him, it would have happened already. Just just with the brother connection, mm-hmm. and and you know how much brothers talk, and they stay in, in connection, oh, and, sure. and text messages, and Facebook Messenger, and all that. I think if Buffalo were going to get him, it would have happened already. I do too. I mean, it's still a long shot. He might want to go ring over paycheck. Yeah, yeah. But I think now the Indianapolis situation does favor him more than anybody. Yeah. Because Indianapolis has a rookie quarterback. Yep. Albeit they're having a hell of a QB battle right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Put some respect on Minshew Mania. Gardner Minshew's there, too. Yeah, like I say, they it's not solidified who's the number one quarterback in Indianapolis, but yes. if you have a if if you have a rookie quarterback that winds up winning, yeah, you're going to want to have a uh, stable running back behind him. It helps. And if Jonathan Taylor is out for reasons, yeah, I'm saying Cook is not a bad replacement for him. So no. I think he'll be the biggest domino to fall that hasn't fu- fu- uh, fell yet. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just get so tied up because I'm so excited to talk football. But I know Ezekiel Elliott is still out there. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott's still a free agent. Uh, not really sure where he could end up. Hell, he could end up back with Dallas. Yeah, I think he's going to have to take some humble pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the Ezekiel Elliott of old. I know he had. That's another one I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing in New England. I know when he went to visit New England, they had a very good uh, meeting with him. I know he was spotted as having either lunch or dinner. I don't remember which one it was, but he had lunch or dinner, some sort of meal uh, with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So he was out with the quarterback. I think it'd be good if he wound up there. To be honest, yeah. I think that's a that's a very solid landing spot for him. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be good. You know, he's obviously not the Ezekiel Elliott of old, but you've got Ramondre Stevenson up there, so he doesn't need to be. You can figure out which one's going to be the feature back, which one's going to be the hey, we're three four yards from getting a first down or three four yards from getting a touchdown. Pound it in there. Yeah, they're going to have to do something up there to give Max some help. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how the dominoes fall there. But yeah. like I say, for all the free agents. That's really taking up the most time. Yeah. Uh, and then one free agent who is no longer a free agent, uh, signed with a team, uh, was one of the most coveted free agents on the market. That would be wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, oh. who signed a two-year, 
$26 million deal with the Tennessee Titans, uh, $9.8 million in change uh, signing bonus. He's got an average salary of $13 million, uh, $10.98 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, there is a potential out in, and this is according to spotrack.com. There is a potential out after the 2024 season, uh, one year, 12 million. Uh, there would be $7.8 million in dead cap space for the Tennessee Titans. So this could be all, this could be a whole trial period one and done and bye. See you later. Uh, we'll see what happens though. Like I mentioned, there's a 10.98 guaranteed. Uh, he's got a per game active bonus of $60,000. Uh, he's got a roster bonus of 4.46 million. That is the second on the second league day of 2024. Uh, and then in the 2025 through 2027 years are automatically void. Uh, and then there is an annual reception incentives, non-cumulative. Uh, he gets $250,000, uh, if he gets 65 catches, 75 catches, he earns half a million dollars, 85 catches. He earns three quarters of a million dollars. And if he hits 95 catches, he gets a million dollars in bonus receiving, uh, kind of breaks down the same 750 receiving yards. He gets a quarter of a million dollars, 850 receiving yards. He gets half a million dollars, uh, 950 yards. He gets three quarters of a million dollars. And then if he hits 1,050 yards, he gets a million dollars touchdown incentives. Again, breaks out the same to uh, quarter million, half million, three quarters of a million, and then a million. So four touchdowns, he gets quarter of a million, six, he gets half, uh, eight touchdowns, he gets three quarters. And then if he gets 10 touchdowns, which good fucking luck with that quarterback, uh, he gets a million dollars. You know, that's a great question you bring up. Who's his quarterback? Oh, by the way, he's still got $21 million in dead cap space for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, I will look up who his current quarterback is because it's not anybody's. Isn't it Tannehill? Yeah, it's still Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So he went for the best money deal, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And listen, I'm not mad at him about this. I mean, I'm miffed. I'm not mad. I'm uh, yeah. Well, it would have been nice to see him go to a contender, and I know yeah. New, New England, that would have been huge. Oh, that would have been amazing. It would have been a big help. I'd have I, been obnoxious for like an hour. Mm-hmm. I think if you wound up in Buffalo, it would have been huge. I'm glad he didn't go to Kansas City. Oh, my God. I heard about that rumor. So did I. But him in Tennessee helps, and it hurts. Here's why I say it helps. You've got Derrick Henry and yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's all you got. Derrick Henry's the starter. Uh, second string is Tajay Spears. Third string, Hassan Haskins. Uh, fourth string, Jonathan Ward. For wide receivers, there's him. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Kinney, uh, Reggie Robinson, Robertson Jr., Treshawn Harrison, uh, Traylon Burks, Chris Moore, Mason Kinsey. Stop me, folks, if you're drafting any of these guys on your fantasy football teams. Uh, Kiaris Jackson, Kyle Phillips, uh, Racy uh, McMath, uh, Colton Dowell, Gavin Holmes uh, for tight ends. They got uh, Chigazem Akanu. Uh, Trayvon Wesco, Josh Weil, Elise Mack, and uh, they don't have a fullback listed on their roster. Right. It's the Derrick Henry show. Yep. And eventually, and not wishing this, I want to stress this, running backs with the amount of wear and tear he's taken uh-huh. slow down very spontaneously. Very quickly, too. I mean, the years catch up to you. I mean, hi, uh, any defensive coordinators listening to this who are playing the Tennessee Titans this year? Hi, I hope you're having a good day. Let me give you a little bit of help for the Tennessee Titans this year. Stack the box for Derrick Henry, double cover DeAndre Hopkins. Boom, you're good. Mm -hmm. I mean, legitimately. Because do you you honestly think Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, or any of the other 
wide receivers I mentioned are going to be that big of a threat? No, I don't. I think Tennessee did the right move, but I think oh, it, I do too. But, but I think this also hurts because you didn't address the biggest need, and that's your quarterback. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tannehill at this stage is serviceable. He's not great. I'll say like, uh, their other quarterbacks are Malik Willis is their second string quarterback, which he is going to be going into his second season. Yeah, they've already given up out of uh, Liberty. Uni- in my opinion, Liberty University. Yeah, 2023. He had 276 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he has played in his two seasons. He has played in eight games. Uh, that, yeah, no, he's going in. Or sorry, he's going into his second year, not not his. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then for Will Levis, he is going to uh, he's going into his first season. He was drafted out of Kentucky uh, in, in this year's draft. He was the 33rd pick overall in the second round. Yeah, he was the one that everybody thought was going to go a lot higher. Yes, the, yes. the prototypes, so to speak. I'm, I'm listening. Nothing against the kid, but like I'm having Daniel Jones vibes. With, like, is he good statistically? Sure, but he fucking played on Kentucky. Yeah. What is Kentucky, not University of Kentucky, known for? Basketball. Basketball. They're not known for football. Right. Hi, Daniel Jones and Duke, same thing. Mm-hmm. Duke is not known for football. Duke is known for basketball. Right. So the stats might look sexy as fuck when it comes to the college game, but it's fucking Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And granted, they're not part of the big switch up that's happened, Pac-10, Big Ten, Everything 10. RIP Pac-12. Yeah, which is a whole different ball of wax. But as it stands right now, I mean, what competition did he face? He has the physical prototype, but so did Sam Darnold. Yeah. So has a a countless amount of other players. Is it going to be enough to get DeAndre Hopkins the ball and really make this team a contender? That's the big X factor. And that's why I say, like, it hurts that they have not solidified who the number one is going to be and has proven that that's going to be able to get the ball out to Hopkins, take some pressure off Derrick Henry, and really move the, the ball. Plus, you got a 35-year-old. He just turned 35-year-old, uh, Ryan Tannehill, and who's going into his 11th season. Yeah. So, I mean. The arm don't get better as time goes on. Exactly. So, it's going to be an interesting thing for Tennessee. I don't like the move for Hopkins, but I understand it. Yeah. He, he got the best money deal. <laughs> My advice to Tennessee Titans fans, I wouldn't get a DeAndre Hopkins jersey just for the sheer fact that he's got an out after this year. Yeah, and depending on how things go. I mean, granted, we have never heard him being a disruptive teammate. Carlos Correa tried this in Major League Baseball with the Minnesota Twins last year. He signed a two-year deal with the Minnesota Twins with an opt-out after the first year because he bet on himself, and then it bit him in the ass, and he went back to Minnesota. Mm Mm-hmm. But like I say, we in Hopkins' case, we've never heard about him being a bad teammate. I no. know, but the whole reason he left Houston was not him. No. That's a whole other ball of wax, which <laughs> we don't need to get into. We don't have the time to. Right. But when he was in Arizona, he played very hard. Yeah. He was somebody that really carried that team on his back. Tennessee's got a, a superstar on their roster to help Derrick Henry. Just is it enough to get him over the hump? No. I mean, it might help him get that division. It helps. But not... Not overall, though. I don't. No. I mean, I'm not punching a Super Bowl ticket by any. No, case. I mean Houston. They're not going to really be anything. Indianapolis, jury's out. Mm. Jacksonville, I would think makes improvements. Theory. We'll see. Yeah, but until then, it's we like, really. It's like we said with the NFC East a couple of years ago. Somebody's got to win that fucking division. Mm-hmm. And I think Tennessee has the best chance to win by default. But I think it ends after that, unless Levis comes and lights the world on fire, which I don't see. I'm sorry. No, I don't either. But we'll have to kind of see how it all breaks down after that. A lot of football stories, yeah. surprisingly. 
And I know we're going into the first full week of preseason now. Yeah, we are. Any kind of early vibe you're getting from the teams? Like, is there any team that's jumping out to you early, Pat? Well, I know for my team, I'm happy uh, they kind of redid Matthew Judon's contract and, and got him some money and got him kind of secured and taken place of because he is fucking phenomenal. Uh, and dragging Asante Samuel on the weekly. Fuck Asante Samuel. If, uh, if <laughs> wow. You, if you know, you know. If you don't, look, yeah. up, look up Asante Samuel's Twitter account. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then I know they just re-signed Trey Flowers, who won two Super Bowls with them. So I'm happy that I, I'm happy for them securing up the defense. From what I've seen from Mike Reese of ESPN, who is the Patriots uh, reporter for ESPN, it sounds like the preseason has been going well, and in, in that the offense has been going good. I know they've been moving around. I know the only issue they've been having is with the offensive line, but that's because they've been moving parts around and trying to figure out, okay, what configuration are we going to go with? But it sounds like things are going well with Mac and the offense. You know, I know Gasecki's had Gasecki's going to be the most interesting thing to see what happens this year on offense. You know, they got the two tight end threat. We know what happened last time. Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, and he had two tight ends. Granted, he had Tom Brady, Mac Jones, not Tom Brady, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So for the Patriots, I'm excited to see where it goes. Am I expecting a Super Bowl? Fuck no. Am I happy if we just make it above 500? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think Patriots are sounding good. I didn't hear about any really crazy stories breaking out of camps anywhere. No. Just everybody's still in that early feeling stage. The only thing I know uh, with training camps and uh, uh, preseason is starting tonight as we record uh, on HBO and on Max uh, will be uh, the hard, uh, hard knocks with the New York Jets. That could be fun. Uh-huh. I've seen a couple of clips already. I'm real interested. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. And, I mean, I guess to close with, I think for the Bills, the, the best thing I've seen is DeMar Hamlin's back in pads. Agreed. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. It's, it's, a, it's a great sight to see him back on the field playing. And the, man, the man was legally dead less than a year ago. Yeah. I mean, that's still watching that game still. I, that image is still haunting. But to see him back now in pads running and the reactions he's been getting from the fans has been nothing but love and rightfully so. And it goes without saying, fuck Skip Bayless. Yes. So that being said. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. It's the first week of preseason. Still some storylines going on. A couple free agents still out and not signed yet. Where do you think everybody's going to head? How is your team looking thus far? I know it's still the early, 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 early prediction, but hey, we don't mind talking football here on the ODPH. That's what we kind of do here. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. What you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which is obviously the local minutes. And uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Pony schedule from this past week, uh, they played a home series against the New Hampshire, where on Tuesday, uh, August the 1st, they won by the final score of 2 to nothing. They came back on Wednesday, lost by the final score of 3-1, to one, won on Thursday by the final score of 6 to nothing. Uh, they started the game on Friday, but however, due to weather, it was suspended. Picked up on Saturday August. Uh, August the 5th as part of a doubleheader where they won by the final score of 4-1, to won the second game by the final score of 4-3. to 
Uh, and then on Sunday, lost by the final score of 8-4. to four. They are on the road this week playing a series against the Somerset Patriots. That is, of course, uh, the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees. So a little bit of Subway Series action going on. However, there is uh, some inf- uh, some stuff going on at the stadium uh, this weekend before they return home next week on uh, August the 15th to play Portland. Uh, this Saturday, August 12th, is another one of the summer movie series. And, and this is uh, Saturday, August 12th. The gates open at 6.30 p.m. The movie starts at 7.30 p.m. Admission is free. Concessions will be available. And uh, the movie they're showing this weekend, Puss in Boots, The Last last wish okay so hey if you got nothing going on this weekend uh, obviously weather permitting uh here in the northeast because the weather is always kind of crazy uh you can stop down to the stadium here in binghamton and watch a movie uh on the giant video screen in center field which is always a good time yeah absolutely uh, next, we got to talk about some uh, baseball because I did go to a game this past Saturday. Yes, we did not lead into it, but Pad did yes, survive. I did survive. I got a couple of looks from uh, some security guards. I joined in the festivities of uh, that being booing Jose Altuve profusely, uh, booing Alex Bregman uh, profusely. Uh, at one point, we were chanting four foot seven. Uh, that would be Jose Altuve's height. We were, mm-hmm. making, we were making fun of Jose Altuve's height. Uh, no, the Yankees ended up coming um, uh, um, out on the win by the final score of three to nothing. Uh, got to see Nestor Cortez make his return after being on the injured list. Only pitched four innings because hey, he just came off the injured list. He only threw, I think it was like uh, 64 pitches, but threw an incredible four innings. He only gave up one hit, one run, one earned run. That was a home run to Jose Altuve, which was promptly thrown back onto the field. Walked one, struck out eight guys. Mm. A hell of a first start for him, but you got to give credit to the Yankees pitching staff because they struck out 16 batters on Saturday against the Houston Astros going up against Justin Verlander, which maybe it's me because the last two games I've gone to, I went to a game against the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in 2019 where Zach Granke started that game, Mm. left midway through the game because he got traded to the Houston Astros partway through the game. That was wild. And then the next game I go to, it's Justin Verlander. So I don't know. Maybe it's me. Whenever I go to a Yankee game, a big name pitcher shows up. But regardless, Yankees picked up the win. You had a home run from Glaber Torres, home run from Jake Bowers, uh, which was awesome. Got to say the most puzzling and surprising uh, moment of the game was uh, when Jake Bowers, I think it was Jake Bowers, comes up to Hey Bay Bay by Hurricane Chris. Oh, jeez. I'm like, what is this, 2006? But Bowers, Bay, Bay. Yeah, it makes sense. I I get it. No, the game was good, though. I had a great time. Like I said, uh, boo profusely, chanted fuck uh, Jose Altuve, chanted his height. It was a great time. Uh, A lot of fun. I'm going to say, Pat is keeping it very toned down about what really went down at the Bronx. Yes. So, for legal reasons. Yes. So, but I'm glad to see you came back. I'm glad you had a great time at the Bronx. Glad they got a win. Yeah, because well, I mean, the Yanks right now, yeah, they're not so good. Not not so good at all. You know what was good though is experiencing the new kind of pace of play for Major League Baseball in person because you see it on TV and it it goes by so fucking quick in person because the game was at 105 started at I think 107, 108 after the national anthem and introductions and all that stuff. Sure. Was over bef- by 3:30. Oh wow. It was oh, swear to god, it was over by 3:30 the, the Game time was like two and a half hours. So it was over by 2.30. And then I was out of the city by a little after 4 o'clock. So that was incredible. And it was real quick. Did not drag on. Nothing going on. I got to say, I I was a little skeptical of the whole pitch clock and all this other stuff. In person, 
phenomenal and really move things along. Uh, I endorse it entirely. Awesome, man. Uh, also got to talk some Premier League, Premier League soccer because soccer starts back up in the UK here uh, the, starting this Friday. You've got a game. You've got a couple games going on. Well, one game going on Burnley, Manchester City st- going on there. You've got a whole slew of games going on Saturday. Uh, Arsenal, Nottingham Forest. You've got uh, Luton Town, who's the new, you know, rags to riches story. They've got the super small in the middle of their town. Uh, uh, field the rags to riches, you know, coming from basically almost falling out of entire existence and winning each league all the way through. So, what are they going to be able to do this year? You got Everton in there playing Fulham, who uh, you, your personal favorite team with uh, over there with AEW. Oh boy, uh, and Tony Khan and all those oh, guys. Oh boy, yep. And then on Sunday, you've got Chelsea and Liverpool taking place. So, uh, Premier League soccer starting this uh, weekend. In the states, going to be on USA Network and on Peacock, so definitely give it a watch if you need something to watch this weekend. Uh, and then we got to talk some baseball again because there's a, been a little situation going on with the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, let us address this, and uh, I guess we'll give a disclaimer: uh, the thought, views, and opinions of that of Padawan J do not reflect the ODPH. Uh, listener discretion is advised. So there's a, an a, the announcer for the Baltimore Orioles broadcast. The guy who does the play by play, makes the calls and all that. Not the color commentator, but the announcer, uh, Kev, Kevin Brown. Uh, during the O's uh, game against the Rays on July 23rd, uh, you know, had made a comment basically saying like, "Hey, you know," and I'm paraphrasing, you know, "Hey, the Ray, the Orioles are doing really good against." the the Rays that basically like they've done better this year against the Rays than they have the last two seasons and a, and a graphic appeared on screen which uh, this is from the reading from the uh, video on YouTube of the broadcast mm-hmm. and the graphic reads last 16 series against the this is specifically the Baltimore Orioles against the Tampa Bay Rays in the last 16 series Baltimore was 0 15 and one. Ooh. 15 straight series losses before this season. The last series win Baltimore had against Tampa Bay was on from July, June 23rd to June 25th, 2017. Well, this season, they've got three wins in five games. And from 2020 to 2022, they had three total wins in 21 games against Tampa Bay. So effectively, they've done as well this year against Tampa Bay than they have done the past two years combined. Mm-hmm. He brought this up. Now, this wasn't like spontaneously brought up on the toughest. Set. It's it, it was in the media guide for the game. Right. He brought this up, and and then what happened is he was seemingly suspended. Now, Baltimore has come out and said, "Well, he, we don't talk about internal matters. He's not suspended." Dude hasn't been on TV since this occurred. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, he's been suspended. He hasn't been on TV. Uh, it's been reported today he's going to be appearing here in the next back on TV here in the next couple of days because well everyone from John and John Sterling and Susan Waldman of the Yankees broadcast to the Red the Red Sox TV broadcast to Michael Kay of the Yes Yankees broadcast and the Mets broadcast and everyone else in between. I know the White Sox broadcast took a dig at the Baltimore Orioles because what what happened with this is absolutely egregious. Uh, the, the Baltimore Orioles owner is John Angelos, which whether he's in charge of this, I'm not entirely sure he's 94 years old, so it could be a case of his son, John P. Angelos, is in charge of this and, and making the calls behind the scenes. Gutless. You know, it's it's absolutely classless. You need to be able to have some 
thick skin Mm because obviously in this instance he's fucking thin skinned you know and and took this to heart when hey listen it's he wasn't criticizing the team he's saying hey they're doing good this year they've done better this as good this year as they have the last two years you know so it's not a criticism but it's a it's a running history with baltimore and their broadcasters uh they famously had the broadcaster john miller as their broadcaster who you might know john miller if you google him he was the broadcaster of espn sunday night baseball yeah for years and for years. years he was the broadcast uh, broadcaster commentator for the Baltimore Orioles until the uh, in the eighties, you know, and then he was he was let go and and all this nonsense because they felt he didn't bleed uh, orange and black. He then would go to sign with this and announce games for the San Francisco Giants. Which Ken, remind me what the colors of the San Francisco Giants are? Black and orange. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they also had the legendary baseball announcer Gary Thorne. Uh, you know, there, uh, which they let him go in 2021. So I don't know what it is with the Baltimore, Baltimore ownership, but he wasn't criticizing the team. He's, he wasn't saying anything negative or derogatory. He's just saying what was provided in the media pr- uh, press book of a statistic and the graphic that was presented on screen wasn't pulled out of the graphics guy's ass. Mm-hmm. This was done. If you've ever done graphics, you can't type it up that quickly. This was done in preparation for the game so a couple hours if not an hour before game time and before broadcast so this wasn't pulled out of his ass this was hey this is a talking point this is a good thing but to the ownership of the baltimore orioles i say get some thicker skin i will say this i agree with you if this happened because this is all allegedly the reason being but there's smoke to fire yeah so we want to stress this he said this there's video of this you can find it on twitter you can find it on youtube and after he said this, he was not on TV. Right. So we're just going to just do the, the legality portion here. Yeah. The allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. This is a very bad look, mm-hmm. to put mildly. And I will paraphrase, I believe it was Michael K. was on the Peter Rosenberg show. Well, it was the Michael K. show with Peter the, Rosenberg. Okay. Yeah, it was his show. But he brought up a point on there, and I thought this, this kind of says it all. There was a graphic for this. That was brought up, and it showed how the Orioles had struggled against the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. So a graphic went up, right? Yep. He is doing his job as a reporter slash journalist reporting the facts. I mean, these you, you can't say this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. This is statistically in the history books. So if you're going to go after him, allegedly, mm-hmm. then why didn't you go after the entire production team? Yep. Allegedly. Why is it that you singled out somebody and you're going to say, well, that was the face that everybody knew, the voice has said it? doesn't matter. He's reporting on what has happened. And guess what? Stats don't lie. Yeah. So if you're going to get mad at him about it, that's one thing. But to single him out when it went through numerous people mm-hmm. and they don't get in trouble is a little upsetting. Yeah, uh, John Sterling, Susan Waldman, who've been calling the Yankees. John's been calling Yankees games for a couple decades now. John Sterling said, quote, I've been on the air for 63 years, so I've seen a million nutty things happen in this nutty business, but this is right up there with the nuttiest. When you hear it, I think you'll understand it. It has to do with an announcer named Kevin Brown of Baltimore. Anyway, 
Kevin Brown in a game was extolling the virtues of the new Orioles, talking about what happened in the past. And the owner of the Orioles, a guy named John Angelos, decided that was negative and he suspended him. Quote, it's amazing to me, added Waldman. How can you do your job if you can't tell the truth? But he didn't even say anything negative. He was extolling how good they are because look at what they've done this year and in the past. They didn't do it. So I don't understand it. When I saw the clip, I was waiting for him to say something horrible and it was not. Uh, I've never heard any of that in my life, Sterling continued. We, if that guy was our boss, we'd get fired every day. We comment that the Yankees have terrible batting averages and they have terrible on-base percentages. That's the truth. How can you? Anyway, every day that that would be a problem for us, close quote. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. As people that are in the media, and if you call it right down the middle, and I know if you listen to 607 TWS, you hear that a lot. You're going to report on what you have. Yeah. If you're going to speak on it, you can give opinions, but this is an actual factual record. Yeah. So, how are you going to penalize it? You because if this is the case, well, we could go through the history of your organization. Yeah. And mention it. Yeah. So what? That that's a problem. I'm sorry. If you want everybody on your payroll to make everything sound like it's all you know roses and perfection, right? There's a fine line between fandom and fake make-believe. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem you have here. You are allowed to, as somebody that covers the sport and having that opinion, to report on the facts. Yeah. You can't fudge them. No. I'm sorry. Like, it is what it is. You know, this isn't the, the 90s, the 80s, or any other time prior where you had to have either have somebody who like knew the history on the back of their hand or have some sort of sports almanac to look this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Anyone with a phone or an internet or access to a library or some sort of computer can go on the web and look this stuff up in the matter of not even a second. Yeah. You know, this isn't hidden. This isn't hard to find anymore. This isn't obscure. This is easy to find. You guys have been shit for so long that honestly, I'm happy for the Baltimore doing as well as they are. Absolutely. You know, I'd like to see it. Would I like to see the Yankees up top? Absolutely. But hey, if it's somebody else getting the shot, hey, good for them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you got the owner being thin skinned and thinking whatever the reasoning is that that, that the uh, announcer got suspended, because let's face it, it isn't officially, and they don't comment on internal politics or whatever the whatever the phrase was. Mm-hmm. The dude said the comment and hasn't been on TV since. Let's call a spade a spade here. You suspended him because you got thin skin. Grow up. Exactly. There's no room for that in this day and age. I'm sorry. People are allowed to have the opinions if they're reporting on the facts. That's what it is. You can't change history. Otherwise, you know, it's a different story. But you have to report on what there is. I'm sorry that you have a winning season this year and you guys can't be happy about that. Yeah. And admit that, hey, we've had some years that not so good. But, hey, we're winning right now. This was the past. This is the present. Let's go from here. But this is hopefully a learning experience, and I would say I kind of hope the uh, higher-ups at Major League Baseball take a look at this because this is very unsettling behavior Yeah. if this is all true. Yep. So hopefully he gets back on the air sooner than later. Yep. All right, so let us go to some comic news because obviously with the Entertainment Edition being on somewhat hiatus due to the whole SAG AFTRA strike. There isn't a lot we can talk about, but there is some comic book news that we can talk about. Okay. And I guess I will get to the good news first um, because 
When we talk Spider-Man these days, I know a lot of times you're going to get a reaction one way or another. It's a mixed bag. Right. But just coming out from the press release from the fine folks at Marvel Entertainment, Steve Fox and Carola Baroli are launching a new Spider-Woman hey. ongoing series uh, coming out in November. I'm showing Pad the cover now by Leanne Francis Yu. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Who uh, last time we saw that artwork was Secret Invasion, which we just talked about on Nerd Initiative's Turn a Page, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern on Nerd Initiative YouTube. So that series is going to be coming out on November 29th, I believe. Mm. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. So the further stories of Jessica Drew coming out of the big gang war storyline that's coming in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. You definitely want to keep an eye out for that. But there is another story that we're going to get official confirmation a little later this week because Marvel did send out a teaser about a certain picture touting the most notorious Spider-Man story ever told. Yeah. Two. Yeah. And this led to a lot of speculation from fans. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, have you ever read Spider-Man Reign? No. Well, have I read it cover to cover? No. I read the, the when we were discussing this yesterday, I did read the kind of Wikipedia summary, which, as we were discussing off air, even the Wikipedia page glances over some uh, finer details. Yeah, this is under the Marvel Knights brand back in 2006, I believe. And this is, whenever you see that kind of show up there, it teases of the mature reader's line, so to speak. Uh, Almost like a Marvel Max, Mm. if you will. Okay. Uh, I know the Marvel Knights was kind of the brand name when they decided to do some more serious tones uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. With the Black Panther series, the Inhumans, Daredevil with Kevin Smith and right. Joe Quesada on it. Right. And seeing that on there, this kind of definitely brought back some memories. Uh, Rain is a very, very unique Spider-Man story. And if you haven't read it, it is arguably one of the most polarizing stories in all of Spider-Man's history. It ranks up there with One New Day. Yeah, that's of, what I've heard. Of the the either you really love it or you really hate it. There's not a gray area about this. So the fact that we're going back to that universe, so to speak, and we say allegedly because it has not been confirmed yet, but we are probably going to get some more news, I would assume, later this week. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I didn't think that we needed a sequel to this. Right. But... um. I am very interesting to see how the take is going to be, especially if they try topping the original Rain series. Because, like I say, it's a very, very different Spider-Man story. So take it with a grain of salt, but stay tuned for that. Hit us up on that hashtag, ODPHpod, and let us know: Have you read Rain? Have you? What's your feelings on a sequel? That's what I want to have that discussion with because I think that. Uh, Comics social media is going to be an interesting day when the official announcement is done. It's kind of a given with Spider-Man these days. Right. Well, Spider-Man these days is definitely giving a lot of different reactions. Mm-hmm. So whether you love it, whether you hate it, you know, you're talking about it. And I think that that's the big thing because if nobody's talking about a book, it disappears. But I think with Spider-Man, especially with the latter half of 2023 coming up, there's a lot to be excited about, yeah. and there's a lot that we're going to kind of have to hold our breath and see how everything plays out. But I definitely, after seeing this, w- what is going on here, that was my instant reaction to this. 
Uh-huh. And I definitely want to talk with fans about this this week. So yeah. hit me up on those hashtags and let's talk about it. But before we head on out of here, we're talking comics. We need those comic picks. Pad, kick us off. Got three this week. Uh, two from Marvel, one from Dynamite Comics. Uh, the first one from Marvel is Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 31. This one from Zeb Wells. This one, uh, oversized 86 pages. They've been doing that a lot lately yeah, with that so, Spider-Man run. So obviously it's going to cost you a little bit extra, but this one, uh, it's the wedding of the year. Peter Parker is the best man, and Tombstone is walking the bride down the aisle. That's right. Janice Lincoln and Randy Robertson are tying the knot. And there's no way all the crime bosses in New York City aren't seeing this as an opportunity to off Tombstone. Hmm. So that one should be very interesting to read. Also from uh, Marvel this week, you've got Star Wars issue number 37. This one's another one of the dark droids. Uh, And on the cover, this one says Lando versus Lobot. Now, for those of you who might not remember Lobot, Lobot is the character from The Empire Strikes Back, who was kind of like Lando's assistant on Cloud City. Uh, this one says Lobot lost a dark, a dark droid's tie-in. Something has gone horribly wrong with Lobot putting the rebellion at terrible risk. Lando Calrissian will do anything to save his friend, even if it means betraying the rebels. Will the scourge of the droids destroy any chance to cure Lobot, or will he be lost forever? Hmm. So again, Star Wars, Charles Soul can't go wrong. Lastly, certainly not leastly, uh, from the folks over at Dynamite Comics this week, Gargoyles Dark Ages, issue number two from Greg Weissman. Uh, This one is, again, the origin of the Gargoyles, and it continues. It says, in the second installment of Dark Ages saga, Kenneth and Mentors Mentors Human and Gargoyle Alliance battle King Cullen's army with some magical help from the Archmage. Mentor orders Goliath's generation to stay back as they aren't yet seasoned warriors, but Angel and uh, Hippolyta... Uh, disobey Mentor's orders and join the fighting at great cost. And it was, of course, written by Gargoyles creator Greg Weissman and illustrated by star artist Drew Moss. Uh, This 40-page issue also features illustrated text story by Greg Weissman. Hmm. So definitely something to check out this week because Gargoyles is awesome. Yeah, definitely. You've been singing the praises about that for a while. So obviously it's living up to your expectations. Mm -hmm. It's doing something right. Uh, on my end, a couple from DC this week jumping out. Pad, this is going to be one I know you're going to be checking out. Uh-huh. Superman 2023 Annual Number 1. Hell yeah. So this is a continuation from the Joshua Williamson run, which I think we have said this on the show, but I will scream this at the top of my lungs. What they're doing on the Superman line right now in the dawn of DC is nothing short of spectacular. And the Joshua Williamson first arc is wrapped up, uh, wrapped up very, very wildly, by the way, too. If you haven't checked out issue five of oh, Superman, boy. like, yeah, that definitely did it. Uh, for me, I was like, holy smokes, we're going some places. This annual is taken through the eyes of Lois Lane, though. Hmm. As that she, this really isn't a spoiler if you've been reading the series since it came back. She is currently the editor in chief of the Daily Planet. Right. And this is her take about recapping pretty much everything that's been going on and the Daily Planet uh, team going out and getting some stories. It does have a lot of great one-on-one moments with a lot of the supporting cast of Superman. So I I really love this issue. But I'm going to tell you, the final half of the book is going to blow some people away. Nice. And you're not ready for like what happens, knowing you especially, right? You're going to be freaking out when you read it. So definitely say go check that out. I mean, it has a whole star-studded lineup of artists on it. Really cool stuff going on there. 
Uh, also, world's finest Teen Titans, uh, Mark Wade, right in Teen Titans. That's all I really need in my life. So doing a spectacular job, and that series has definitely been one that I've been keeping my eyes on. Night Terrors, number three, Joshua Williamson and the team over there doing the big crossover, which you've seen in every single DC Comics book right now. Mm-hmm. This is the flagship book, and it's definitely a different take. I was not expecting it to be what it is, Okay, but with the whole story of insomnia and what he's trying to do and the backstory involved. And, and like I say, it's a really cool concept. Um, much like any big crossovers though, in my opinion, some issues are hit, some issues are missed. I think this one definitely extended the story because we're getting at that midway point. Very cool guest cameo involving the two main heroes of this, which is dead man and the golden age Sandman mm. and what is going on here. So like I say, if you've been digging the whole Night Terrors crossover throughout the entire DCU. This is one you definitely want to keep an eye out for. I know that they've got a bunch of different spinoffs this week. So if you haven't been checking them out, I highly recommend you go get it. And uh, definitely we can interact about that as we go because there's a lot of good stuff coming out from there. Uh, on the Marvel side of things, there's a Ghost Rider Wolverine uh, Weapons of Vengeance series, which the cover looks amazing. And that will just be take my money all the time. Uh, so a lot of cool things happening there. The Fall of X storyline is kicking into high gear with Immortal X-Men, number 14. And then one that I have on my radar, and just because I know his work from 20th Century Men and Bloodshot Unleashed, and that is Dennis Camp, who's now writing Children of the Vault for Marvel. Hmm. So it's a little spinoff series involving the Fall of X. It's a very cool thing. If you've never read his stuff, it's very good, but it's very, very gritty. It's intense. It's 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 not for the faint of heart, but it's awesome stuff. So I can't really wait. I can't wait to see what he does with you know now being in the X universe. I think there's some cool stuff going to happen there. Also, Avengers Four, Jed McKay, Stuart Ramon, really doing some cool things there, along with the Spider Man stuff. Because like I say, they got a lot of cool things happening. So yeah, definitely don't want to miss that. On the Image Comics side of things, the Enfield Gang Massacre is coming out. This is a book, if you like that Texas blood, this is going to be one right up your alley, so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. Kaya 10 by Wes Craig is coming out. That one, I know we're going to be reviewing on Nerd Initiative. Shout out to Marty Stoke. He's got that locked and loaded and dropping. And last but not least, Boom Studios. Holy smokes, man. They got a lineup this week. House of Slaughter number 16 returns. Now, this is the spinoff of the... Something is Killing the Children book. Okay. And this is done anthology style, so it's all pretty much separate contained stories featuring different members. This is taking a look at one of the most notable white masks of the Order of St. George. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be one that, like I say, you definitely don't want to miss. The series has been hitting on all cylinders. Every single story they've done, whether they've covered the different uh, members of the groups, like I say, the black masks, the white masks, the reds, Mm -hmm. they've been really taking the time to give these characters some big moments that they're connecting. And like ever since the first issue, I think this series, they have a kind of a rotating cast who comes in uh, creative team wise, but they're still hitting all strides. So you definitely want to check that out. Also one of the most interesting series I have read in quite some time is returning after a hiatus. Okay. Damn them all. So this is Simon Spurrier and Charles Adlard who you know from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they are now returning in regular series format. Um, Volume 1 is also going to be out. If you haven't checked it out, uh, uh, combining issues 1 through 6, 
This is one if you're a fan of like supernatural Constantine stuff. Mm, this okay. is going to be right up your alley. Like it's crazy. This entire series is wild, but it's a fantastic read. I really enjoy it, and I can't wait to check this issue out when it drops. And last but not least, there is a series that's coming out that is got a very big uh, TV project coming to, and that is Mech Cadets. So this is going to be one. I'm telling you right now, you want to go pick this up at your shops this week. There's definitely going to be a buzz about this, and if you haven't seen the trailers out, definitely make a, a point to go see it. And as we always say before we end up closing the show down, make sure to go out to your favorite local comic shops and go support them. Go get some issues. Go talk some comics. And definitely go support your favorite independent comic podcast. We're all out here doing some work, trying to give you the best additions to your collection that we can do each and every week. So that being said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time. Cause they can't bring